Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the satanic films of the VHS era. Tonight, we are continuing our Halloween theme with the straight-to-home video masterpiece, or whatever you want to call Hack-A-Lantern from 1988. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, welcome to the third entry of our October seasonal special, where we delve deep into the Halloween films Luke holds close to his cold, dark heart, pledged to Satan's reign. If you'd like to follow along then, as of this broadcast, you can find 1988's Hacko Lantern on Tubi for free, or on Amazon Prime Video, which has the illusion of being free if you pay for a Prime subscription. And then you, like us, will also be confused on why it's necessary to be pure for Satan. Yeah, so I I have owned this movie in three incarnations. Uh, I used to have the VHS Hack-A-Lantern, as well as the version called Halloween Night, which I think has the best cover art. Um, and I, I sold those off before this movie like exploded in popularity, uh, end of value. Um, but I think it was just such a rare VHS. I was telling Leland before the podcast that I just don't think many people had seen it until the last few years after it came out on Blu-ray. But now that I know this is a Halloween staple for a lot of people and, and Joe Bob covered it last year on the last drive-in. So I know that uh, that got a lot of people turned on to it. So I don't know if there's anything new to say about this movie, but Leland had never seen it, and I wanted to get his reaction. And I think this is going to be fun to talk about. I, I hope it's fun to talk about. Leland, you should do the entire episode in a grandpa accent. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can either. <laughs> I tried to talk like High Pike to myself before the episode to see if I could do it. <laughs> There's no way. Uh, all right, let me, let me take a crack at this. You, I miss the grandest day of the year. <laughs> Grandpa's got something very special for you. And Grandpa's got something very special for you. Yeah, I don't know. I can't do that for long periods of time. That was pretty good, though. That's way better than I can do. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I might be able to say blood like he does, <laughs> but that's about the extent of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's totally fair to say that like 75% of the reason you should watch this movie is because of High Pike's performance as Grandpa. Oh, that, that number is way too low. <laughs> so did you recognize High Pike from anything else? No, but as soon as, as soon as the credits started rolling, hopped onto IMDb and saw he was in Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, he's like the nightclub owner in Blade Runner. I mean, he's only in it for like two minutes. But yeah, I, I don't remember him at all. I think that's what he's most famous for is being in like two minutes of Blade Runner. But I guess he's kind of a character actor. Uh, he's a terrible actor, but he's incredibly entertaining to watch. And anyone who's seen this movie knows what I'm talking about. I don't agree with terrible. I think he he's like the the apex of satanic cult leaders I've ever seen in a film. How about, I'll go so far as to say that he is um, 
that there is no other actor like him. Yes. And that he's magnificently entertaining to watch. Have the, you seen anything else with him in it? Uh, I have, but I don't really remember him from anything. Like, it has, I think this is the movie where he gets the most running time. I think usually most of his credits are like for a minute or two. That's a shame, man. I think this guy could have could have made a bigger splash if he just had the opportunities. Yeah. See, like I've seen Dolmite, but I don't remember him in that. Apparently he was the mayor. Seen Vamp, but he was a desk clerk in that. Uh, so I imagine he wasn't in it very much. Um, I did not see the amorous adventures of Don Quixote and Sancho Panza, but I can imagine that might be wonderful. Is that like a porn parody? I don't know. He plays Sancho. Uh, it is. It's an adult movie. This adult movie is a costume period piece filmed on location in Spain. The movie even includes musical numbers with suggestive lyrics too adult to be played on the radio. Can this man sing? I don't know, but that might be the next one you need to search out. Hmm. Anyway, the other person we should probably talk about here is Jag Mundura, who's the director. Um. By way of introduction, Leland, take the title away. And does this strike you as a Halloween movie? Well, I mean, yeah, because you have a Halloween party. There's a graveyard. There's people in costumes. The murderers uh, are in costumes. I mean, yeah, I, this is a Halloween film. I don't know. I mean, I'll get into this as we go through the film, but um, it just doesn't strike me as very Halloween-ish. Like, all right, well, it's Halloween night, supposedly, but there's no trick-or-treaters. And yeah, there's yeah, some... Yeah, there's trick-or-treaters. Only the group in the graveyard that dropped all their candy. Yeah, well, what do you want, like, the... Uh... Like the camera panning over like the idyllic, like white suburbia with all the kids walking in the street, blocking traffic with their ghost costumes and pitchforks and shit. Yes, that is exactly what I want. That is what I love so much about movies like Halloween is being able to see the Halloween of my childhood. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think every Halloween film needs that. Well, I want it in this movie, and I don't get it. And I think part of the reason, and, and I might be misremembering this anecdote, but Jag Mundra had just arrived in the United States from India, and apparently he had to ask the actors on set like what Halloween was because he just had no idea. And so I don't... I mean, you do get some Halloween vibes in this movie, but honestly, this movie could have taken place any other night of the year and been like the same basic plot, right? There's nothing like inherently Halloween about it, but that's just my take. I don't know, man. Like the grandpa owns a pumpkin patch. I do like that. I do There's like seeing Halloween the- party. Yeah, okay, that's fair. The uh, police you... officers are bitching about their holiday schedule because it's Halloween. <laughs> all right, that's all fair. Maybe it's more Halloween than I've given it credit for. But but and, and we're covering it in our Halloween film special, so it better be at least some Halloween. That's the important criteria right there. Yes. <laughs> now, would I classify this as a video store nightmare? No. 
<laughs> this is a stretch. Oh, I don't think so. I think this is right up our alley. <laughs> this this isn't so much a nightmare as it is a uh, like a bad dream you get when you eat too much ice cream before bed. Um, I mean, I think that would describe a lot of the movies we discuss. But the final person um, I wanted to mention before we get into the plot is Gregory Scott Cummins, who plays Tommy. What did you think of his performance? I liked him better as a kid. It would have been better if he just never grew up. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he had... So he graduated college with an acting degree, um, but he was originally a professional football player and he actually won some awards from like, like he played on my, on uh, Hawaii's team for a while. And he was on their all-star team because he was so good, but he had some kind of injury and couldn't continue to play. And that's how he fell into acting as his primary gig. And he has a pretty long list of credits. Like, he's still acting today. Yeah, I saw that. I was kind of surprised. I just figured everybody's... uh, I figured nobody's career blossomed after this film. But, yeah, he made it. He escaped. Yeah, this was his first movie, I think. And, yeah, he went on to have a pretty good career. uh, And still going. I'm not speaking for, like, his entire acting career. I don't have the experience to, to adequately judge that. But yeah. his performance in this film was not the greatest. But, you know, it's his first film. And look what he has to work with. Look at this direction, his direction, right? Yeah. And in the script, right? Um, so the script was co-written. But the only person of any note is Dave Eisenstark, who uh, he has 17 writing credits on IMDb. And I've seen two of them creepazoids and blood nasty (laughs) blood nasty has a wonderful title but it's not that good i was disappointed with that one Mm -hmm. oh you know what else i've seen uh tommy's actor in uh always sunny in philadelphia he plays a skeevy dad of one of the characters but how is his how is he on that you know he's i guess he was good he's fine i mean Really, the criteria for that show is just be an asshole. That's all this show's about. Just how to be a better asshole. So this movie was like good practice. Yeah, I guess this movie was good practice. How old was his character supposed to be after he grew up? So he looks about like 35. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, But the script is written as if he's like 17. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like he's living, he's living in his mom's basement. And as far as I can tell, he doesn't have a job. Um, and the, all of the other family members talk about like how hard he is to keep an eye on. So I think he's supposed to be like 17. Yeah. It's not even a basement though. It's, you know, it's above ground. Yeah. I don't know what to call that really a shed. It's not a shed. Well, can a shed be made out of bricks and be connected to the house? <laughs> well, I don't know what to call it. Um, yeah, it's a little Satan den. It's a single room with a side entrance. So, yeah, imagine like a mother-in-law suite, but for an inmate. <laughs> yeah, it does have a cell-like quality. Anything else you want to mention before we play the trailer? 
Uh, yeah, I don't have a trailer. Let me find it. <laughs> oh, okay. This is like the only time I don't have one pulled up. Uh. All right, well, I'll tell you what. We can't find a trailer, so I'm just going to insert DC LaCroix's You're the Devil's Son here. Um, I, we'll probably get copyright coded or something, but it's worth hearing. So my credits might have been different. I watched my Japanese VHS, and the title on it is actually Death Mask. Of these titles, Death Mask, Halloween Night, and Hack-A-Lantern, which do you prefer? Halloween Night, Death Mask, Hack-A-Lantern. I'm going to go with Death Mask. Well, that's the Japanese title. I don't know if it was released as that anywhere else. I like Halloween Night the best, but it might be that I'm biased because that's like the first way I watched it. Anyway, the music over the credits is very Halloween, I think. It's like evil church organ. But, yeah, I really like the opening theme here. I'm also a sucker for organs. Yeah, I think they're the really instrument. fitting for, for Halloween. As this is playing, we see High Pike's name get top billing because everybody knew who this man was. He was the major draw for this film. Harpsichords, organs, oh, those always hit a sweet spot for me, especially for uh, like horror movie soundtracks or like a gothic, gothic themed film. Yeah, I, I think it works here. So after the credits, we see Grandpa High Pike uh, driving up on his pumpkin patch wagon um, and he gives this little boy a pumpkin. And the little boy is like, what else do you have for me, Grandpa? And Grandpa says it's something very, very special because Tommy is very, very special. And Tommy's the little boy. So it, this is the first time you watch this movie. Mm -hmm. When you first met this man, what did you think? Oh, I already knew this guy was going to be up to no good. But really, I think to to grasp 
the kind of effect this man has on the viewer. You really got to hear his voice. So I think we need to play a very small clip of something just so you get the idea of what you're getting into. Happy Halloween, Tommy. <laughs> Nothing can keep me from seeing you on this, the grandest day of the year. And Grandpa's got something very special for you. <laughs> oh man he sounds like a cartoon character like an evil cartoon character it works so well do, do you think he talks like that in his everyday life or do you think it's part of the performance mm, I, I would imagine it's part of the performance but who knows I mean he he does he sounds similar in Blade Runner it's not quite as ridiculous but I'm sure his voice still has like that raspy tone to it uh-huh but you know the inflection is probably different well we see tommy throwing pumpkin seeds at his sister <laughs> and their other brother runs up this is roger and he's he's got a gun and he says i'm gonna blow your head off if uh oh, what does he want if they get if they don't give him all the candy but um this is this is foreshadowing because roger's gonna become a cop <laughs> so i really like this exchange tommy cuts himself and then he sucks the blood off of the cut and his mom gets on to him and says like don't do that we have to clean it and he's like why mom i like the taste of blood grandpa says it's good for me we gotta we gotta make sure we clarify that he is carving a jack-o-lantern while like before he cuts himself and it's a complete accident yeah, but his mom, when she hears about Grandpa, she's like, did he give you that pumpkin? And she smashes it. So we know that the mom and the Grandpa do not get along. That's exactly the kind of like family incident that you know a, someone would have to get a therapy for as an adult. And that's, yeah, when, I, and that's when mom destroyed my jack-o'-lantern. And Tommy doesn't tell her. But Grandpa also gave him a pentagram necklace, which we'll see him wear throughout the film. The The mom tells her husband, Bill, about Grandpa singling out Tommy. And Bill says he's going to go confront him, that he needs to stay out of Tommy's life. And the mom begs him not to go on Halloween, that tonight is a bad night to confront Grandpa. But he doesn't listen. And so Bill goes up to this barn and Grandpa is there with a circle of other people. They're in red and black Satan robes and they're burning candles. And Grandpa tells him, we don't like trespassers here. <laughs> so the Bill says that Tommy is their son. And Grandpa says, Tommy was never yours. And then he does the devil horns with his hand, which we're also going to see many, many times during this movie. It's not like traditional devil horns, though. Like you would see thrown up at like a heavy metal concert. It's it looks more like a gang sign. Yeah. And it, you because you hold the thumb kind of out and then you greet somebody else by touching the horns to their horns. So somebody comes up and hits Bill over the head with a hammer and grandpa says, bye, Bill. And then he, they 
burn his car while grandpa laughs maniacally. I'm assuming Bill was inside the car as they, as it was engulfed in flames. Yeah, that was my assumption, but we don't see. What's kind of funny is this, the follow-up shot is grandpa lives nowhere near this, the, the house where all the main characters uh, live, but somehow the light of the, of the raging inferno from the car is illuminating Tommy's bedroom as he looks out his window. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if this is a complaint I have about the movie. It's something that makes the movie weird. It's really difficult to gauge like the area that this is in because sometimes things seem really far away, but everyone walks to everything. And other times it seems like like the place the party is, you just walk from the house through the graveyard and you're there. I have no sense of this geography. How did this director get hired? Like who, who hired this guy when he doesn't know English and he's not familiar with like everyday American life? So I don't know the answer to that. Um, it, Joe Bob might have talked about that on the last drive-in, so it might be worth watching that. But um, I know he had made one uh, horror movie prior to this called Open House, which I've actually never seen. So I guess he had some credit from that. Maybe it did well on video. I don't know. And something else we haven't talked about yet, but it's kind of hard to put it into words but the acting in this film for everyone except grandpa is uh odd it's very odd the, the best way i could put it is that everyone's acting like they're in an infomercial everyone has like exaggerated uh visual emotions but like when they actually speak and communicate they don't have that that a uh, proper emotional tone in their voice does that make sense yeah i don't know if that's how i feel about it but there is something off and it could have been the direction the the i think the mom is like super melodramatic but there's not really any screaming or crying like you're saying yeah even when people are getting like murdered yeah, I mean, the the sister Vera kind of gets that way towards the end, but it's not convincing. No, nothing in this film is convincing except for <laughs> except for grandpa. Well, even I mean, I don't feel like I'm watching a real person. I don't know. I feel like someone like this could exist. Well, in, in the the movie switches to present day. And Grandpa has come to see Tommy again, but now Tommy's a, a teenager or an adult. We're, we're oh, not sure. Oh, my God. This time jump was so jarring because I swear I thought Tommy had, was like in prison. I thought he was in a prison cell. Yeah, and it doesn't. I, I don't think it tells you that time has changed, does it? No, but it's, it's, it's obvious because you have the kid holding the the necklace the pentagram necklace and then it like transitions in a way that lets you know hey this is the same person right so grandpa tells grown-up tommy that this is not just any halloween that tonight 
he'll learn what power is. And the mom is looking on suspiciously. Uh, we learn there's going to be a ceremony and they make the devil horns at each other and, and, and touch, touch pointer finger and pinky together. Um, and then grandpa does like this, this little fairy motion. Like he kind of flaps his hands and, and goes away. And Tommy takes off his sunglasses very dramatically and looks into the camera. <laughs> so the this is another where the, the geography does not make sense to me because the mom is standing behind the door. But then we next see her running in front of grandpa's car as he turns around a corner. Yeah, Um I was starting to suspect that maybe the mom had a little bit more magic influence than was being let on in the beginning, but that never, that never really culminated in anything. No, although we do get like an incest implication here because mom is telling grandpa that Tommy is her son and, and grandpa says, no, he belongs to the two of us together. And the mother says, my children, they're mine. They belong to me. All this language about children belonging to people is really weird to me. Did the director, the director couldn't have written the script. Who, who wrote the script for this? No, I, I mentioned it earlier briefly, but it was written by two people. Um, one of whom did like nothing after this. Uh, and the other one wrote a few things. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what was going on with them, but the, the a lot of the dialogue in this movie is um, it's unique. Yes, that's a great that's a great term for it. Yeah. So during this conversation, we see a flashback to her wedding day and it insinuates that um, grandpa rapes her. And, and that's how Tommy was produced. This is about as dark as the movie gets. Yeah, it's never mentioned again. Although I would say, like, if this was an effective movie and in the way that it wants to be, then we would, I think, spend more time with the mother. But as it is, we just get brief shots of her now and then, like, looking devastated and sad. And she keeps saying, like, all she wants is for her children to be together. So we meet Tommy's sister, who has grown up. This is Vera. And she has a friend, Beth, who is coming over with a costume to surprise her. And we see Vera in the bathtub. And did you notice the bathroom was carpeted? Oh, no, I did not. Yeah, there's even like a little step up to the bathtub that's also carpeted. Oh, no. Yeah. That should never, that should never be a thing. When I was a kid and we lived in Michigan in like this old farmhouse, uh, we had carpeted bathrooms. I always thought it was very strange. Yeah. No, I, I could not do that. I, I don't know how I would, if I found myself in a situation I couldn't escape with a carpeted bathroom, I don't know how I'd handle it. Oh, it wasn't that traumatic for me, but there's one of those big plastic spiders like wiggling along the tub. And Vera has her eyes closed and she picks it up and starts using it as like a loofah. 
like rubbing it over herself. Apparently, Jag Mudra is known in his, for having all of his female actors get naked in his movies. I do think we see, with the except, no, including her, we see every female actress in this movie get naked. Mm, obviously not counting extras. No, just the main characters, I mean. Does does the does the sister does the sister's friend get nude at some point? Yeah, we see her her boobs in the cemetery. Oh man. Yeah, I, I guess think, you're right. I think there's also a point where we see her getting dressed. Yeah, that sounds right. There's there's a lot of gratuitous nudity in this film. Yeah. So anyway, this is this is her friend Beth playing a joke on her. Um and you know, haha, they laugh about it and I, I will say I wasn't I, I actually thought the spider was bad special effects. I didn't think it was gonna be a practical joke. Oh no. Well we yeah. don't see it is weird because we don't see Beth put it there. It's just kind of there. I was like, oh no, the budget, the budget for this film, but it was supposed to be that bad. Well, we find out during this scene that uh Beth is telling Vera or Vera, I keep switching them up. Vera is telling Beth that Halloween's difficult for her mom because that's when her dad died. And they talk about Tommy being a problem for her and that he's not coming to the party tonight because he hates being with the rest of the family. Beth is going to the party dressed up as Princess Di. Do we hear what Vera is going to be? I don't recall. I don't know, but we meet Roger. This is Tommy's uh, police officer brother, and he's overseeing the Halloween party that night. Tommy's mom is trying to talk to him, but he ignores her and puts his headphones on. And then he pops on the movie's theme song. And we get uh, him falling asleep and dreaming a music video. This band is DC LaCroix. And the song is The Devil's Son. What did you think of the song? I, I, was, I wasn't really impressed. No, oh. I, I think this song's catchy as hell. Like, it gets stuck in my head for days. Oh, no. No, I, I guess I rolled a... I guess I rolled a will save there. I didn't have to worry about that. Well, I think that this music video scene is another uh, highlight of the movie. Like, I think you should see it just for this scene. I don't know if it's that good, but I do like the part where the um, supposed demoness starts doing the Shiva, the, the like the Shiva thing, because they have two other people behind her waving the arms. I was like, yeah. ah, yeah, Indian director. Yeah, and uh, this is like a black girl with an afro, and she eventually starts... Uh, shooting laser beams into all of the members of the band. Uh, but she's wearing little bones, like, hanging off her ears and around her neck. Like, are we are we supposed to see, like, a voodoo thing here? I didn't get that impression, but maybe I didn't pay much attention to her attire. I thought that's what they were going for, but, I, again, it doesn't really make sense with the Satanism aspect, but it's cool. So people are growing green as she laser beams them and they're disappearing. 
and she replaces Tommy's guitar because he's playing uh, he's playing the guitar for the band with a trident, and then she uses it to behead him and holds up his head. And this is the cover of the American VHS tape, and that's what wakes him up. So, what do you think of the, you didn't you didn't think this scene was was super entertaining? Mm, nah, I mean, I'm not really a music video musical kind of guy like at all no me neither but it's just it's a ridiculous scene i'm, I'm uh, looking at this costume now though there are a lot of fake bones and fangs and stuff yeah i think she's supposed to look like like a voodoo priestess or something hmm i mean bones are kind of a, a satanic thing right but they're sort of they're sort of grouping all of uh all of dark magic in together right yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is what Jag Mundra thought that African Americans looked like. Oh no, uh, oh, we can't really make a. I don't think we can really make that judgment call. Well, we also meet Tommy's girlfriend, and she is wearing very short shorts that reveal she has a pentagram tattooed on her ass. And while she's talking to Tommy grandpa happens to be there and he's telling Tommy that he needs to remain pure for the ceremony tonight. And ordinarily he'd say to screw her brains out, but he doesn't think she has any. I thought this was a funny line. Oh my God. You must remain pure for Satan. That, that <laughs> is the, I think that's the hardest I laughed in, in this entire movie. Just that concept of being pure for yeah. Satan. <laughs> yeah, he I think he gets on to him cuz he's buying beer too. <laughs> like what would Satan think of exactly. your poor's light? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, see he's if grandpa says he needs to knock all of this off and preserve his energy. Oh wait, maybe I should say that in like the the grandpa voice. Um uh, <laughs> what would Satan think of your core's light? <laughs> yeah right, it's, I'm done. I'm done. It, it's ridiculous uh that no you did a pretty good job so tommy does what he says he sends his girlfriend home and he goes home to rest i guess and his mom looks out the window with a lot of intensity vera is thinking that she's gonna have sex with her boyfriend for the first time that night um she refers to it as as playing trick or treat with him, which I thought was odd. Um, but Beth, uh, the friend, is quite impressed with Roger. Um, she thinks his cop outfit is a costume, uh, but he says, no, this is my real outfit. And when they leave the room, Roger says to his mom, Vera seems to have a nice little friend there. So there's like a romance blossoming already. But in response, the mom says, I just wish you and Vera and Tommy would stay together. Like, it's as if she does not want them to have relationships or friendships or anything. She just wants the three of them to stay in the house together. <laughs> no, nothing else. Yeah, that's what it's like, right? Like, is that how she strikes you? Yeah, I suppose. Because she supposedly does not like their friends either. I mean, when you've been raised 
in grandpa's house and you've gone through what she's gone through, it's probably really hard to trust people. That's fair. Like yeah. The I, fact I, that I she actually, even got married is a miracle, right? She seems very hung up on her husband being gone. So maybe he was like the one person she could connect to. Nah, as soon as that guy comes on camera, you know, he's not making it past like 10 minutes. Oh, no, no. So Roger goes to see Tommy in his his cell and he's lifting weights. He's got no shirt on and a bandana around his head. He's like peak 80s right now. And Roger asks him why he keeps it so stuffy in there. He says, I like it that way. And then he shows Roger his Satan closet. He opens a closet and it's kind of like an altar or shrine to Satan. All right, so the Satan Shrine is basically like uh, 12 mason jars filled with uh, water and food dye, illuminated with some tasteful backlighting, and uh, a big old skull with uh, candles around it. There's an upside-down cross on the wall and a pentagram. I always love how in movies you can just light a candle and leave it somewhere and forget about it. And you don't have to worry about your house burning down. Yeah. In the closet. Oh, oh, and there's a fetus in a jar. (laughs) Where where, where do you get that? (laughs) This seems like the kind of room that a 17 year old would make. Right. If we're, if we accept that Tommy's 17, this is a pretty good Satan shrine. Yeah. For a 17 year old, this, this is pretty good. Right. I mean, even got a, like a like a goat demon silhouette inside the pentagram. Yeah. I mean, it's no phantasm room, but you know, no. it's it's all right. <laughs> it really livens up the room compared to the prison walls. In the next scene, we see Tommy's mom putting flowers on her husband's grave, and it kind of flashes back to them in bed together. And she spends a lot of time at her husband's grave in this movie. I think this scene is supposed to like humanize her or like develop her character. But I just thought all these scenes came off as really melodramatic and dumb. What was really distracting for me is how fake the tombstone would be. <laughs> you can clearly tell it's styrofoam. Yeah. Um, At one point she puts her hand on it. I'm surprised that this doesn't like crumble. I, I But I think this could like, I think this actress could do a good job if, the role was written differently. Oh, for sure. I, I think you can say that probably for, for everyone in this film. Yeah, but there's some people in this film that are distractingly bad actors, and I don't think she is. I think she's actually pretty good. Like, Okay, the acting in this film ain't the best. It, it might not even be average, but really the only time I was offended was with a stand-up comic near the end which we will get to yes her mom or the mom walks up to beth and vera who are like walking through the woods and she's very angry that they are not at the father's grave she says i just came from your father's grave and i think you should pay him your respects today and she sounds furious right yeah, but I can understand where she's getting at. I mean, it's the anniversary of your father's death and his, apparently the graveyard's right next door. You might as well just stop by. Yeah. Yeah, the mom is upset that they're like going to a party and Tommy is worshipping Satan and all that. 
<laughs> she has a lot on her mind right now. Hey, we see Tommy's girlfriend go swimming, but she wears like a long sleeved blouse into the pool with like panties or bikini bottoms. I don't know. But like wearing that is worse than wearing nothing would have been because it it doesn't hide anything and it like would encumber you in the water. Right. Doesn't this seem uncomfortable to you? Uh, you know, I can't say I've ever worn anything like that, swimming or otherwise. And, uh, it would cling to your skin, though. Oh, it does. And that seems to be its sole purpose in this film. She kind of looks like a molting lizard. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is sexy. I think it's sexy when we see uh, women's bodies through thin material. But like thin because of wet chlorinated water that's clinging to their skin. <laughs> sure. I mean, they have they have wet t-shirt contest because people like this so much. That's not a t-shirt, though. No, it's it's like a long sleeve blouse. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she even peels it off like like reptile skin. Well, this movie's missing is like she should just eat it afterwards for the nutrients. Well, she's she's drying off when someone shows up in a red. And by the way, this is totally a clubhouse. Because when she comes into the house, there's a sign on the wall that's like a, it's like a, a not a warning, but like a, a, uh, man, English is hard. Warning, message, guidelines, rules. There's a sign on the wall with like rules about like making sure your feet are dry when you come in. It's probably all also about keeping the bathroom clean. So I think they just rented a clubhouse for this scene. Uh, Nobody I mean, lives here. None none of the buildings in this movie seem like what they're supposed to be. Like Tommy's house does not seem like a house to me. It seems like it's like a on a church property or something. Or like a a rec center. I don't know. It's very odd. And the place, I don't know where the dance is supposed to be, but it, it looks like a just a warehouse. Oh, it says please adjust your dress before leaving. <laughs> why does the sign say that i don't know maybe <laughs> i guess don't, don't i guess you got to be decent at the clubhouse all right but it does look like a clubhouse um someone shows up in a black and red satanist robe with a devil mask on she thinks it's tommy but it's obviously not tommy like the body shape is totally wrong it does look a lot thinner than grandpa though yeah, I don't I've always assumed this is grandpa. Like that's a fair assumption, right? I'm think it's supposed to be grandpa in this scene, but it's definitely not his actor. Yeah, I don't know who it is. It's not Tommy either. But she makes him a drink and strips for him. And I guess this is kind of reminiscent of the scene in Halloween where Michael's under the sheet. But she's getting naked for him and making all these like awful double entendres. She closes her eyes and says, are you going to surprise me? And he pulls out like, is this a rake? What is this? I think it's a hoe. I don't know. As you can tell from our past conversations, I don't know anything about my farm instruments, but it's something between a rake and a hoe. And he stabs her in the neck. Oh no, it's a it's a trowel. Oh, a trowel. 
Okay. Let me make sure so I don't so I don't sound like um, I'm ignorant. Never mind. I've never lived on a farm. No, it's not a trowel. What do you what do you call this thing? It's a it's a cultivator. That's what it's called. It's a cultivator. Okay. That's that is very important. She is killed with a cultivator. Well, Grandpa shows up to give something to Vera, his daughter or his granddaughter, and he says. You're growing into a tempting young lady. And then her boyfriend steps in and says him to like back off that he likes her too. And grandpa's very offended by this. He he had said that he brought her something, but then he leaves without giving her anything. What do you think he was gonna give her? I don't know. Uh I, I mean, you know, it's easy to get distracted. But uh no, like, I don't think he's going to give her a pendant or anything. Well, he sees Roger and they have a conversation and it, it basically boils down to grandpa is mad that the police won't let him have any fun on Halloween. <laughs> and as he's driving off, he says, see you in Halo, Roger. <laughs> Vera wants to talk to Roger alone during the scene to ask him what he thinks about Beth because Beth is into him. And she suggests that he takes Beth on a ride on his motorcycle. And he goes inside to meet up with her. And when they walk out, him and Beth are holding hands. And she asks if he wants to take her into custody. And they ride on the motorcycle. This is like the fastest courtship ever. Did he even show up on a motorcycle? Oh, we didn't see it. I think we just saw him standing there. Mm, yeah, okay. For a moment, I thought he like brought his patrol car and then left on the motorcycle. And that would not be out of place for this film at all. No, I I will say that I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but this movie packs a lot into what's supposed to be one day. Yeah, right? like, I, can't, I, I cannot imagine spending more time with these characters. <laughs> so it, I'm glad. It's well, a, a lot happens during the day. We see that Tommy has the devil mask. Do you think the film wants us to suspect that he's the one that killed his girlfriend? Yes. And then I think there's also a red herring where the mom could be the, the killer. Yeah, sort of. Because we see her. Oh, we'll get to that. But yeah. Tommy catches Beth and her boyfriend. Or no, Vera. Tommy <laughs> catches. Yeah, I'm going to mix their names up. It's okay. I mean, boring white girls, you're going to mix them up. I, as I was writing my notes, I was actually, I kept having to remind myself which one it was. But Vera, Tommy catches Vera and her boyfriend in bed together, and he's furious. He uh, pins this guy against the wall and says, next time you're dead, and drags him outside and like beats him up. And the boyfriend just leaves. Like, he doesn't put up a fight or anything or, like, yell to his girlfriend. He just walks off. I thought this was very odd. Nah, man. He gets beat up and then kicked out. He ain't going back in. Well, Tommy's a scary guy. I guess. Well, we see him walking home through the cemetery, and someone is chasing him in the devil outfit carrying a shovel. You see, I know what a shovel is. 
but he falls in this open grave and there's like bones and a skull in there. And the devil guy slams the shovel into his head and kills him. So again, it's a really our, cool shot. It is. It's really well done. But I think the film wants us to think that this is Tommy and that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's definitely Tommy's body type. Yeah, this one is. This looks like it could be Tommy. I suspect they just had like whichever actor was handy play the, the killer. We see a weird fight between Vera and her mom. Vera is saying, you treat me like I'm the enemy. Although I don't really know that she's done that. And then the mom says that you only have time for your friends. And all she wants to do is keep the family together. I thought all the interactions between the kids and the mom were weird. Yeah, it's pretty forced. Also, uh, this is the scene where the mom is covered in dirt. (laughs) Yeah. You can kind of draw the conclusion that maybe she was in the graveyard doing something suspicious. Yeah, she says she was gardening, but anyway. Turns out uh, she probably was gardening. Yeah. We see the start of Grandpa's ceremony beginning, and he says that the hour of Satan has arrived. He says, let us share the blood, and he passes around a chalice that everyone drinks from. And they're planning to ordain this girl into the coven. She lets them tie her up and then brand her with a pentagram on the ass uh and they're all doing the devil horns at her like these devil horns are so funny to me yeah it's really awkward gain signs meanwhile roger and beth are in the cemetery because he got a call that there was someone causing trouble out there and he they see this group of people and he draws his gun but they're they're only children yeah uh you know police pulling weapons on unarmed children i mean it wasn't talked about as much then but it happened yeah you know hack lantern's really progressive isn't it if you want to understand why there are police shootings of unarmed people watch this movie there are cultists behind every corner speaking of cultists i just want to draw attention to the the little barn shrine they got going they just have that goat's head severed hanging from the rafters for no reason yeah yeah that was a nice touch i imagine that they sacrificed it and that's where the blood they drank came from oh yeah yeah so we after he chases away the children she asks him if he's ever made it on a grave before and then we get a whole series of puns like double entendres like at, at one point he says no i've never considered myself dead meat Oh my God, they flirt in front of the kids too before telling them to fuck off. Yeah, the kids, like, we're at least it's insinuated to me that the kids are like, you're making us leave to have sex. Like, <laughs> we, because the kids are suspicious. They keep saying, like, why are you here? And the, the girl has to tell them to, like, go home and not, and not eat all their candy. Yeah, she got really turned on with how he almost killed those children. Yeah, but they start making out on the grave and she reaches out to hold his hand and she's like, oh, your hand is cold, but she's actually holding the hand of the corpse of her boyfriend, but she never notices this. Not her boyfriend. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm confusing (laughs) them again. (laughs) If it was Um, her boyfriend, that would make this incest. (laughs) No, Vera's boyfriend. uh, Or, Uh, yeah. 
Vera's boyfriend. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing because like I, it's so easy to confuse them. And yeah, I did the whole movie. But anyway, I can't believe she went through this whole scene without ever noticing that there was an extra hand. How uh, how is this guy buried so shallowly? Sh- shallowly? Shallowly. <laughs> Cause, uh, yeah, because the grave looked really deep before. Yeah, it was already dug. All you had to do is fill the hole. <laughs> it's like it's like the murderer pulled him out and then just made a new, not as deep hole and put him in it. Or basically just put him in a mound of dirt. He isn't even under the ground, really. Yeah, regardless, it's weird. Yeah. Is uh, The Halloween party, though, is even yeah. weirder. <laughs> so the first thing we see is a woman starts to strip on the dance floor. And I didn't get that this was supposed to be a stripper at first. I thought it was just one of the people at the party. Same here. Uh, also, I think it's... Uh... You know, you really don't see mink coats anymore or like mink scarves. She comes down wearing one. Yeah, she strips everything but that. So we get to see yet another actress naked in this movie. I think of everyone in this film. She has the largest, the largest filmography because she was a porn actress. She has oh, I didn't even look her up. entries on IMDb. So that's one of the weird features of the party. The other is what you referred to earlier. We get an inexplicable stand-up comedy routine in the parking lot. This is how I found her filmography, because I was actually trying to click around looking for him. I wanted to see where this man came from. And God, like I just wanted to know if he ever tortured anyone else with his comedy routine. Yeah, my understanding is he was like, a local stand-up comedian and that he did this routine with the turkey noises like he was known for this people even like nicknamed him the turkey man i think because this was always a part of his stand-up routine wow Uh, he's in an episode of a improv comedy show that had a also a lot of celebrities on it I don't know if we'd be able to find the specific episode he was on, but you know, I I don't think I'd want to watch it. I guess I'd want to watch it to see if he makes a turkey noise and then I just turn it off. No, this scene is painful to watch because it, it, it's so bad and unfunny, but everyone around him is laughing. Like they they think it's it's awesome, I guess. Uh, that's, and it, that's just like a that's just a massive testament to their acting ability. Well, it also seems oddly long. Almost oh, it's like very long. Let's let's measure it. God, oh my god, it's only like three minutes, but it feels so much longer. Hey, three minutes of someone just talking, it feels like a long time in a movie. Yeah, I guess like three minutes in a in like an episode of SpongeBob is like fifty percent of the episode's plot, right? There's like, yeah. like <laughs> So anyway, out of this three-minute stand-up routine, a big part of it is him doing a turkey imitation. I'm not sure why it's supposed to be a joke, but he does it. What did you think? Did you did you like his performance as, I as it a turkey? Playing in the background on mute, and it's still awful. Oh, it's uncomfortable to look at. Yeah, this is the scariest thing of the film. Like, imagine if if Ty made 
like you know summoned a fucking demon like went through a ritual you know sacrificed the goat painted the the star on the ground everything and then this is what came out like that'd be horrifying this man just making turkey noises well we we next see vera and beth (laughs) getting ready for the party and vera's hoping that her boyfriend won't be too upset that tommy beat him up and kicked him out of the house i think it's weird that she didn't like call him to to say like sorry that happened no maybe she was just turned off by the whole thing like like wow he just uh you know just kind of left i wanted my man to fight for me yeah well they uh, they're going to the party but they stop by the cemetery and beth sees the hand sticking out of the ground um she pulls it out and it's her boyfriend. So yeah, he was right up there by the surface. This is one of the scenes where like the actress who plays Vera is trying to act hysterical and cry, but it it's just really ridiculous. All I can think about now is that this, the sister does not have a Halloween costume. She's just dressed in blue. Right. Yeah. Blue and, dress, and, blue coat, blue, everything. What are you supposed the, to be? The girl that's supposed to be Princess Di, she didn't do anything to be Princess Di except wear a dress. Well, she changed her hairstyle. Yeah, I don't know. I still didn't get uh, Princess Di from it, but... Yeah, I mean, she's got, like, the the fake, like, diamond necklace and the hair. Yeah. Uh, Yo, I mean, for this movie to get that much is a blessing. (laughs) Yeah. Vera immediately assumes that Tommy killed Brian. I don't know how she thought he had enough time to do that, but she does. And so she goes to the, the Satan ceremony to confront him. And uh, Grandpa is, is mad that she's there. He says, you shouldn't have come here, Vera. <laughs> or something to that effect. Um that you have intruded upon the ceremony of blood and that she must pay a price for her sacrilege. And so they tie her up with really pitiful restraints. And Grandpa gives Tommy the knife to kill his sister. He says the power is in the blood and to release the power. But Tommy can't do it. He cuts her free and they, she runs away. And Grandpa yells, don't be a fool, Tommy. But Tommy doesn't listen. He says, um, she, he, Tommy says something like, she's my sister. And Grandpa says that we are your family in hell, that the disciples of Satan are the only ones who matter. And then there's a very dramatic scene of Tommy running away. What do you think of this final confrontation? Is this a final confrontation? There's like 20 minutes of the movie left. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's finality here. Like, this is where Tommy's being kicked out. He's turned. Well, I feel like it's not that big of a deal. They can just find somebody else for this vague ritual that's never really fleshed out. Yeah, I mean, it th- throughout the first half of the movie, I got the sense that there was something special about Tommy. Like he was the chosen one or because he was a product of incest, he was like cursed or like there was something, but that never goes anywhere. No, I feel like this is what the, I mean, there's a lot of things this movie needs, but I feel like the, the for the plot, 
the movie really needed a good satanic payoff and we just don't get it. Uh, we do get a belly dancer with a snake. Another strange thing at this party. Do you think that Jag Mudra just thinks that these are things that happen at American parties? Uh, maybe. I mean, I know snake dancing is more of a thing in India. Well, just like, you know, entertainment with snakes in general is more of a thing. So I'd see it as more of just influence from, you know, his homeland. Much like the, yeah. the Shiva part of the music video. Well, there's a really bad hair metal band that's playing. And you can tell it's an 80s party because all the girls' costumes are incredibly conservative by today's standards. I mean, you can also tell from like the flock of seagulls haircut the, yeah. the main band guy has. Well, the hooded figure with the mask is there. And... We see Beth and Vera run in and talk to Roger, although we don't hear what they're saying. Presumably, they're telling him about Grandpa. And the devil goes in the bathroom, and this lady is asking for help tightening her corset. And she doesn't seem to think it's odd that the devil is not responding to her. Um, But he tightens it to death, basically, and stabs her in the back. I mean, you can get someone to pass out if you tie their corset too, too hard. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it's not as far out there as a lot of other things in this film. So, at this point, did you think that this was Grandpa? Uh, I figured it had to be, even though the body type didn't match up, because Tommy just became like a reborn again Christian. He just renounced Satan by sparing his sister. So it has to be either grandpa or the mom. And, you know, this act that whoever's in the devil costume does not have grandpa's physique. So I really thought it was the mom with some like weird latent satanic tendencies. Yeah, I don't. I I have always assumed it's grandpa, but you're right. It doesn't look like grandpa. So Roger rides off to the barn and meets his sergeant and another and another cop uh but they go in and there's no one there and so the other cops think that someone's just playing a joke on roger vera and beth are going into the bathroom to get cleaned up and they see the dead woman uh but they think she's just passed out because she can't hunt she can't handle her punch and the devil figure comes out of the bathroom closet and starts to strangle beth and Vera finds her hanging there, and she realizes then that the the drunk woman is dead. I was kind of sad here. Like I thought Beth was the best character, maybe the best actor. I don't know. Ty is the best, but she she's a second. I say it, undisputed second. I'm not counting high. I'm of the protagonists, I guess. It, there's another scene like between all of this where the mom comes out of the house and hangs a wreath on the front door that's like a in memoriam for her husband. And I'm like, <laughs> damn, like way to bring down Halloween, right? Yeah. Also, leaving this on in the background, there are some wacky fucking costumes at this party. There's a Yeah, dude, there are. There's a dude dressed up as like a wounded vet. Yeah. He's dressed in fatigues and has his arm in a sling and he's like the bandages are covered in blood. Well, I we feel see- like that would be bad taste <laughs> no matter what time you do it. 
Yeah, I can see that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that I feel like would be in bad taste. Uh, I mean, at least the one woman with the salad bowl on her head is pretty inoffensive. Well, we see that Grandpa's in the devil costume, and someone mentions Tommy, and he says, Tommy can't save you. No one can save you. Tonight, you belong to Satan. I thought that was a pretty great moment. Someone who I thought was Tommy starts to sword fight with Grandpa, and Grandpa gets thrown off this balcony and dies. And Roger is kneeling over him, and he does something to Roger. He puts like a red dot on his head. Uh, so I think Grandpa gets stabbed and then falls to his death, uh, falls to the ground before, and before he dies is when he does the the Vulcan mind meld. But yeah, yeah I think so- tra- I think he's transferring his consciousness to the other son. Or I was gonna ask, yeah, I was gonna ask if you thought that he like possessed him or if he just turned him to the to Satanism. I mean, it feels that easy to turn somebody, and imagine he would have just turned Tommy at like the beginning of the film, right? Well, do you think that was the ceremony that that he wanted to do on Tommy? Oh, yes. You're the chosen one because I'm going to possess your young vital husk to yeah. maintain immortality. I don't know, maybe. But do you really need to groom, uh, you know, a dude for that for like, you know, 14 years? I feel like yeah. you can just find any strapping young lad and have it done because you obviously don't need to be a follower of satan in order for it to work because this police officer you know had had no ties to the church maybe he wanted to make sure that it was his son hmm but well, there's no sense in over analyzing it because the script writers definitely didn't put it that much thought into it no we're we're we get very little explanation in this movie which is part of what makes it wonderful i think is it? Yeah. I don't need everything explained, but it would be nice if some things were fleshed out a little bit. Yeah, true. So we see who we think is Tommy running off in the devil costume. He's been stabbed, but it turns out it's not Tommy. It's mom. Was this like a total shock to you? Yeah, um... I mean, I suspected she had something to do with what was going on just because the the one scene with the dirt on her. But I don't think she actually killed any of the friends or anything. I think she just showed up in a costume to fight Grandpa. I was thinking maybe like she was in the cult at some point and that's why she had the outfit. Like maybe before she got married, she was a, a Satanist. Perhaps, but it obviously didn't pan out. And Grandpa also didn't, you know, take her out for leaving the church. All right. I don't know. Well, maybe he had a soft spot for her because she was also the mother of his child. Right. Uh. So um, she, one last time, says, I only wanted to keep my family together. And Tommy is there. He finds her and he says, I'm sorry, Mom. I love you. And so he's had a total turnaround, 360 in his personality here so we get a flash forward and it's a satanic ceremony and we see that it's being led by roger with uh 
I guess, grandpa inside of him. And then we get to hear the devil's son again and the credits roll. That's Hackalander. Wow. It's something special. Yeah. All right. Why don't you give your final thoughts and a rating out of four? I think this film is is as a prime candidate for amateur riff night. Like this, this is something that could pop up on, you know, a third season of the Netflix mystery science theater. If they just kind of like uh, worked their way around the gratuitous nudity. Um, I wouldn't say this is a film so bad it's good. It's a, it's probably like a film so bad it's okay. As we said at the beginning of this episode, uh, High Pike's performance is probably like 90% of the reason you watch this film. And then the other 10% is like a, you know, whatever you're long is long for the ride. I wouldn't say this is a good movie, but it is really entertaining. Um, especially if you watch it with a group of friends. There's, there's a lot here to pick at. The only truly bad part of this film is th- that awful stand-up scene. It's only three minutes, but it felt so much longer the first time I was watching it. Uh, I feel like that's something on repeat watches you might want to just kind of fast forward through. Don't do not do that to your friends if you're introducing this movie to them. Uh, overall, I'm going to go with like one and a half stars. If you were just rating it by like naked enjoyment, what would you give it? Uh, maybe maybe like two, two and a half, I guess. I mean, nothing really, nothing really topped. You know, you must maintain purity for Satan for me. That, yeah. that was the highlight of the comedy. So I. It's the idea of being pure for Satan. Who wrote yeah. the script for that? I I get it. I, I get your point. <laughs> well, I I first saw this movie a long time ago when I bought a copy, a used copy from a video store. And I remember thinking it was kind of fun, but it didn't stand out to me very much. Like, I didn't really remember it after a while. But I revisited it a few years ago and just like fell in love with it like i think this movie's wildly entertaining maybe it kind of has to grow on you um but i watch it every halloween it's like leland said it, this is not a good movie but it's a special kind of bad kind of like i think blood rage is a special kind of bad like the acting isn't great the dialogue is atrociously bad at times and so in some ways it's just like typical slasher material but there are certain elements of it that are so strange that they elevate it above normal slasher status like high pikes performance is one the random music video in the middle of the movie the dc lacroix song which i love the stand-up routine, which I agree with Leland, it's like unbearably bad, but it's also it, the fact that it's in this movie makes me like this movie more. I, I don't. Just, I just. I just had a a, a revelation. You what? know? Do you do you think the director thought that dude was hilarious because he couldn't understand English? And he's like, oh, this guy's making funny turkey noises. Maybe. 
I don't I don't really know how limited in English he was, but um, if he really had trouble with English, that would make sense that the I'm physical comedy. I'm just going off what you told me where this guy did not know English or how, you know, the American way of life worked. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard stories. Work. I've heard stories to that effect. But again, I, I really don't know. Um, but it could make that could make sense. So anyway, I, I think that if I was I, I don't know how to rate a movie like this because it's not just bad. If it was just bad, it would be like one star. But it's got elements that suggest it's a insane or foreign or surrealistic kind of bad. Um, I'm going to give it three stars. God. Because it's, it's a unique experience. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't know if I get the hype on this film. Like I'm not crediting, I'm not crediting three stars to the actors or the direction or any element of the movie. It's the emergent property of all those things together. There's just something special there. Okay. Anyway, next week we are doing another movie that I really like and love watching around Halloween uh, that I don't know if Leland's going to get the hype on this one either. Although there's not really much hype. This, I, I never hear anyone talk about this movie or post about it. And, and I really think it's worth talking about. So I want to draw attention to it. The film is Beyond Dreams Door from 1988 or 89 and it it feels like a student film it's obviously inspired by nightmare on elm street uh but i think it's strangely effective and eerie and surreal and it's actually got moments that creeped me out the first time i saw it um so i'm really curious just to hear somebody else talk about it and see what leland thinks the VHS is pretty hard to get, um, although it doesn't go for like big money or anything. It's just, I think, rare. Um, but you can watch on Tubi. I think it's on YouTube. This used to be like, like I don't know how you would have seen this movie at one point unless your video store happened to have it. But I guess that's kind of true of all our movies we cover. Is this about the same quality as The Burning Moon production-wise? No, it's it's better than that. It, but the budget, I imagine, was down there was like very low. I think it really adds to the charm of this one, though. There's always a great feel to watching a good film where you don't recognize any of the actors. Oh yeah, I totally agree. And I don't think the acting in this movie is bad. It's uh for like a student quality film, it's good. It's I would compare it more in quality to like the Video Dead. In terms of like the the film quality and stuff. All right. My body and mind are ready. All right. Well, do you have any last uh, words for this week? Thank you for your continued support. All right. And we will talk to you next week about Beyond Dreams Door. Oh, and if you would 
like to engage with us further, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares. And I'll talk to you there.